If you've been listening to this podcast, you've probably heard me mention my grandfather a few times before. He was an artist who lived in Montreal, and I'm going to explain to you what he was doing and why is it that I always come back to him? Why is it that I always talk about my grandfather in this podcast and in other places? And I'll also talk about why discovering him as an adult, there was a reunion of sorts, was such a pivotal life experience, but then also what we can learn, but then also what it's like watching someone in your family who passed away a while ago start to get recognition after their death. So my name is Christopher of all times, and this is the Hyper Memoir Podcast. Uh, generally, I'm talking about finding creative voice, talking about creativity, but lately I've been moving more into telling more about my story because, not just because it's my story, but because it's interesting. And there's lots of lessons that I've picked up in going through what I've gone through and the stories that I've experienced that I wanted to share with other people. In and of itself, the story that I'm beginning to tell is interesting. So there's a lot to it. There's a lot of layers. And what I'm going to talk about today is one of those layers. So if you've been listening to this podcast, in the past, you've heard me mention my grandfather. His name was Zanis Valtimes, and he was a geometric abstract artist. Uh, I forget how much I've already said on the podcast, so I'm just going to kind of go from the top and explain a little story from my life, explain a little bit of something that happened to me that actually really became a significant event and taught me a lot um, and is just a damn good story anyways. So what is this? You know, when I'm talking about, talking about my grandfather, Zanis Valtimes, he's a geometric artist. Okay, there are a lot of geometric artists out there. There's a lot of artwork out there. But what was significant about him? He was creating around the mid-century, um, so from like 1950 up until, I believe, the late 80s. He was making these two-dimensional drawings in uh, colored pencil, essentially, that when you look at them, they're really colorful, colorful, colorful mandalas. They are circular, typically inscribed within a square, and they're drawings that he used to explain a philosophical worldview that he had. Uh, so the interesting thing for me was I didn't know anything about him until 2009. So this is kind of where I come into the story. So you might be wondering, well, why would you know anything about your grandfather until 2009? I was born in 1977, meaning that was 32 years. Why wouldn't I know anything about my grandfather for 32 years? The simple explanation is that I was adopted. So I was adopted when I was seven. You might have heard me say on this podcast before, um, I was adopted out of foster care. So I had lived in foster care for a few years before being adopted. But the consequence of all that, the effect of all that, was that I lost contact with my family. I had a few names, but the way they did adoptions back in the day, back in the 80s when I was adopted is, at least in this case, you ended up losing contact with your family. So I had lived with my family, even when I was in foster care, I'd see my family, I'd, I'd have interactions. We were still connected. But once I got adopted, that whole thing was chopped off. And I was just left with a few scattered fragments about my family. Other people knew stuff, but it wasn't really shared with me. So I went into adulthood having no idea who my original family was, even though I remembered them. All I knew was that my dad had been black. By the way, I never met him. Um, and my mom had come from a tiny country called Latvia, which at the time was part of the Soviet Union or occupied by the Soviet Union. So it's only after the Soviet Union fell that it was once again back recognized as the independent country that it had been. So 
A lot of people don't know where it is. It's a tiny country anyways. But the point is, is they came from Latvia. And so that's all I really knew. And I didn't know what that meant. And as you'll maybe hear in this, or you've heard me talk about in other episodes, Latvia has a lot of history, uh, especially during World War II, when my whole family came over here to the United States and to Canada. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of brutality, a lot of war. It was really one of the main places of, of World War II, where there was you know a lot of a lot of stuff happened. I'm not going to go into it now. I've talked about that in previous episodes when we talk about going and looking at the dark parts of the past. So um, when I became an adult, there was a moment where I got dissatisfied with not knowing much about my family. So I started searching on the internet. I, th I think I started searching in the early 2000s. For a long time, I didn't really find anything. I would search online, find maybe a small piece of information here, small piece of information there, but nothing really came together to give me a picture or give me any sense of what I was looking for. And I don't even know if I knew what I was looking for. I just wanted more information about my family because I felt like that would do something to help me, especially as I was becoming a father. I didn't want to have the situation where I had no idea where I came from. So did that for years. And honestly, I got nowhere until one night. This was um, New Year's Day of 2009. I was surfing the internet as I tended to. And of course, it always comes back to searching at that point for me. And searching is one of those things where a lot of people who are adopted will will do it. But mine was just weird because uh, I didn't really expect to meet anyone from my family. I'd heard my mother had passed away. I, I really, my grandmother had passed away. So a lot of the people in the family I knew had already passed away. So I didn't know or I didn't expect to find much on that day in 2009 when I'm searching the internet. And I put in my grandfather's name, which I kind of uncovered by doing a little bit of record searching. And so I put in his name, Zanis Waldheims, spelled with a V, like I spell my name. So my name is Chris Waldheims. His name is also Waldheims, but he spells it with a W. And that's because the Latvian language, where our name kind of originates from has no W, but he spelled it with a W anyways. And so I put in Zanis Waldheims because I, I figured, okay, that's the name. And I didn't get anything back, but what I did see, and I think Google had done some sort of update at that point or whatever, where it said, do you mean Zanis Waldheims with a W? So I clicked on that. And sure enough, I find this website. It says dedicated to the memory of Zanis Waldheims. And there's a whole bunch of stuff there. But immediately on that first page, I saw this collage of artwork that my grandfather had done. It's those mandalas that I was referring to earlier. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I recognize this kind of kindred spirit. I'm like, okay, I think I know what this is. Now, I don't know if I saw this when I was a child or if there was just some sort of innate part of me that recognized the artwork or the kind of thinking that would create the artwork, but there it was in front of me. So this was the first time I was aware of seeing my grandfather's artwork. And I'm like, I know that. Like, I've, again, I just felt this familiarity. I'm like, this has to be him. Even though the name was spelled differently, I'm like, I'm related to this guy. So of course I click in. And what was interesting, I'll just kind of pause and say before continuing, what was really interesting about this is I spent a lot of time growing up, not really knowing why I am the way I am, why I do the things that I do, why I'm interested in the things that I'm interested in. So when I found this, Immediately, I saw this kind of kindred spirit that I, I could relate to immediately. I could be like, oh, okay, this is someone who may have thought like me. Remind, now, I'll remind you that, again, being adopted, you're in this different family. It comes from a different 
set of circumstances, different background, all the stuff different, where if you're someone like me, then you're definitely going to feel a sense of disconnection, like you don't fit in. So that's what I had felt all my life. And that's obviously what I feel to a degree today. But when I saw this, I was like, okay, there's other people out there like me. And when I clicked into the site, I saw pictures, but then I saw a timeline. The guy who made this site, the name, his name is Yves Janson. He was one of, one of my grandfather's friends. He built a website in my grandfather's memory. My grandfather passed away in 1993. So this site was an homage to my grandfather. So Eves had built this site. And in the website, there was a timeline. Uh, what do you call it? Yeah, I guess, I guess a historical timeline where it has events and dates. And he really spelled out everything from the birth of my grandfather in 1909 to pretty much the present day. And he recounted all of the events in World War I, World War II, the Cold War, uh, immigration to America. He spelled everything out. And one of the things that, of course, stood out is in that history was my mother's name. So now I knew for sure that this was my grandfather because there was my mother's name in connection with him. So I reached out to this guy, Eves, and I said, hey, I think the, the guy that you knew, the guy who you made this website about, I think that's my grandfather. And yeah, of course, we got to talking. And then over the years, we've developed a friendship. And he's the one who's really enabled me to be able to talk about this. If he hadn't taken an interest in my grandfather and preserved all of his notes, all of his artwork, all of his journals, all of his photographs, I don't know where it would have been. It might, it might have been thrown away. Who knows? Like they could, It could end up anywhere. But the point is, is... Eves had collected all of this stuff. So he had saved the entire legacy of my grandfather. And so here I was, just some guy off the internet. And I think it took me a week or two to get in touch with Eves, some guy off the internet who's now connected to his grandfather. So what was interesting to me is when I first found my grandfather and all the stuff around him, it was um it was illuminating. Like like I said, something had clicked and I wanted to know more. But I wasn't still wasn't sure what I was looking for. So I had this um, curiosity, but what was it that I was seeking? And I think that was a question I wouldn't answer until many years later. But at the time, I just knew I had to be, I had to look at this more. And at that time, this was in 2009, not many people knew about my grandfather. I think there had been some limited ex exhibitions here and there, but not many people knew who Xanus Valtimes is. Still to this day, a lot of people don't know, and I'll explain what's going on um, with him now because it's kind of interesting. Um, so nobody knew who he was, and I was just like, was this some kind of crazy obsessive quest that he was on? The answer might be yes, but what did it all mean? Like, what did it all mean for me? But also, especially, what did it mean for me? Like, how did it end up that I was in foster care and he is over here making all this art? What happened with him and my mother? There was all kinds of questions that I had because, every, like I said, everyone had passed away. Everyone in my family who I could ask about this had passed away. So I had to rely on the materials that Eves gave me or shared with me and then kind of build from there. But it was a deluge. It was a lot of stuff. So this is my kind of connection to it. So what was my grandfather doing? He was an artist. He was a designer. He was... Um, he had trained as a lawyer, which I found was interesting. So before becoming an artist and coming to North America after World War II, he had actually trained as a lawyer. And what was interesting is I was about to become a lawyer. So we're kind of going in opposite directions. I had been a designer. I had 
been a designer for a living and then decided to switch to being a lawyer. And then he had kind of done the opposite. Uh, trained to be a lawyer and instead of pursuing that in the new world decided that he would um, go ahead and make art so that's who he was and that's what he was doing and as i said it, it gave me questions and so i started thinking about it at the time i was becoming a new father i was also going into law school as i just mentioned so for me it was kind of hard to parse a lot of it or really take it all in so this ended up being a thing that took uh, years. So I went, you know, did law school, started becoming a father. This was always in the background. Like I've always, like there was almost no day where I wasn't really thinking about, well, you know, what was my grandfather saying? What did he mean? And so the core tenets of his artwork, I'll explain in a moment. But for me, that was like, you know, there was a period of, I want to say nine years where I was really spending a lot of background energy trying to answer these questions and answer the more personal questions too of you know how had this affected my life what turn of events led to him becoming a reclusive artist by the way so during his life he never showed anything it wasn't like he was having exhibits he mostly created in his apartment in montreal and he had eves as a friend and maybe a few other people as a friend that he would share this stuff with so it wasn't like it was getting any attention while he was alive it still didn't get a lot of attention years after he passed away. So it's only recently, actually, that now people are starting to pay attention, which is cool. So um, for me, I had a lot of questions. There wasn't a lot of information and a lot, a lot that I could figure out. And I knew what my grandfather was doing. He had this theory um, called geometrization of thought. I'm not going to try to explain it to you. But I'll leave it as this. It was a philosophical theory. It was a theory of philosophy based on all the reading that he had done, where he essentially took linear thinking. He wanted to take language like, you know, we have a, you know, we talk about a sentence. It's a one, it's one dimension. You can go backwards or forward in the sentence, but in essence, it forces a linear way of thinking. So he wanted to break that out into two and maybe three or more dimensions. And so how can we look at problems, you know, take any conflict in the world today or any ideological conflict? How, how can you take those problems, those issues, instead of looking at them as a scale back and forth, right, left, up, down, whatever, look at it more holistically, look at it more in two-dimensional space. So that's what his drawings were about, converting things from one-dimensional space, one-dimensional thinking to two-dimensional thinking. So all of his artwork is based on that principle or some iteration of that principle or some application of that principle. And they all have different meanings. He left behind journals and notes for each drawing that explains what each drawing does. So for those of you interested, I'll probably be sharing more of that stuff or bringing on other people to talk about how those theories work and also just the history of him as an artist, because it's really fascinating. And in the newsletter, which I send out when I send out these podcasts, I'll also link to some more images of the artwork and the drawings and the diagrams so you can kind of understand what it was that he was doing. So he had this theory, and it was really a reaction to things like World War II, where he saw it as a battle of extremes. You have the communist versus the Nazis versus whoever um, as this sort of back and forth conflict between extremes. And so his idea was, how do we get away from extremes, which is something that I relate to as well. I think myself politically have always been mostly against people on the extremes, whether it's on the right or the left or whatever. But the point is, is usually there's a more nuanced way of solving things in a way that doesn't rely upon going as far as you can to one direction or the other. So that's just me. 
But that's what his artwork was about. And so, as I said, I found a kindred spirit in that because those are ideas that I found valuable and I find valuable to this day. So he's become, started to become more known. So he's not a household name yet, but he has a Wikipedia page or he's had one for a while, but there's also uh, more and more exhibits. So there's been exhibits in sort of smaller institutions. So I think there's a few in Poland and Toronto and other places over the last few years. But one of the first big exhibitions that I went to that he had was in 2018 in Riga, Latvia, which is his home country, as I mentioned. So back in his home country, the National Museum had a had an exhibit of his artwork. So I got to see it there. Um, at that one was even like the Princess of Sweden. So she was there looking at the artwork with us, which was kind of surreal. It was also kind of surreal to see his artwork displayed. So this is something that, you know, by 2018, I had been, as I mentioned earlier, ruminating over and thinking about in the background from around 2009 when I discovered him to around 2018 when I finally see this stuff in the artwork. And I'm kind of blown away because I'm like, how how many people have that experience of seeing their grandfather's work or any relative's work in a, in a museum, in a national museum? So for me, that kind of shifted things. But then it's also set against my own personal history and my own personal connection to him and the family events that separated us and all this other stuff, which I can explore more in this podcast if you all are interested in it. But um, he's become more known. And even recently, there have there have been, um, we've connected, Eves has connected with uh, people at in different institutions in France, like some big ones that you've heard of. I don't know how much I can talk about at this point, but um, there's institutions that you've heard of that are collecting his work or collecting his notes or bringing them into their collection so that they can talk about it. Um, just recently, just I think about a month ago, there was an article on the Museum of Modern Art blog, the Museum of Modern Art in, in New York. They're starting to discover it. So art historians and there's people who are starting to uncover, wait a second, like this is another kind of mid-century modern artist that we don't have a lot of information about or that we've somehow overlooked because he was so reclusive, maybe, that now people are trying to understand and now trying to, you know, kind of know what uh, what this artwork was all about. So for me, it's interesting that we're at something new. So I hope that this explanation, and I'm not done yet, but I hope this explanation makes sense. And the summary here is that my grandfather was this geometric abstract artist that created all of these um, these pieces but they're based on a philosophical theory. And so that's what we're, what we're talking about. They look really cool, as I said in the newsletter, or you can just Google him, Zanus Waldheims with a W. Um, you can see that they look really cool. But once you understand that there's a whole philosophical world, a whole philosophical underpinning beneath it, it actually makes it a lot more fascinating, a lot more complicated. And I think for me and for a lot of people, I say, hey, look, if the way that you appreciate that artwork is just by looking at it and enjoying it aesthetically, that's enough. That's fine. But if you're um, looking at the artwork, uh, you know, philosophically or see the other layers, then of course you're going to get a lot more out of it, but it's not required. So anyway, that's the, um, that's the whole summary of what it was that, that I had discovered what my, what I was learning about my grandfather and my personal history. So I hope that summary helps. I'll put some more information about my grandfather and who Zanis Waldheims was in the notes to this. Uh, I'll probably talk about it more. I just wanted to give kind of a touch base about it or whatnot. 
maybe talk about it more in the future, but you know, it's going to be something that comes up because in the coming episodes of this podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about a project that I'm doing related to all this stuff, related to the work of my grandfather, related to a lot of the stuff that I've uh, sort of experienced since finding my grandfather, but even before that. So I'll be talking more about that. So this story is kind of, it's an unfolding thing. And I think that if you're listening to this podcast, you're part of this unfolding. I mean, this podcast isn't very big by any measure, but what I am trying to do is create something real and create something new because I think that this is a story, my story and the story of my grandfather and how I got into reunion with my grandfather, even though it wasn't with him personally, but with art he left behind. I think that can teach people a lot. And even if it doesn't teach you anything, there's still a lot to be learned. It's an interesting story. And I think fascinating stories should be shared no matter what, which is kind of the point of this podcast. So I really wanted to make sure that I was explaining as best I could who my grandfather was, what he was doing, and what it was all about. So thanks for listening. I hope this is an interesting episode, and I'd love to hear from you. If this is something that is at all interesting to you, or you have questions about, or want to know more about, or if there's anything that maybe I went over too fast or didn't explain well, you can always email me. It's valdheims at gmail.com, or you can subscribe to my mailing list, which, as I said, every time I put up a podcast, I send out a note to the mailing list. Probably going to send out more stuff coming up because there are um, some more things I want to talk about that relate to these topics. And, you know, again, this podcast is really a place for me not only to share lessons that I've learned, but also share stories. And I love hearing from you. So if you have stories too, or just hearing how you react to all this really helps me. I, I read every email, I reply to every email. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, this is Chris Valdheims. This is the Hyper Memoir Podcast. Thanks for listening.